That's how you should feel about it. That is how I feel about it. Good. I would have felt that way about it, too. Had it not gone the way that all of us wanted to go, I would have been pissed. But then I would have been like, can we just shut the fuck up about it? Right, right. Because I can't. But I'm glad it went the way it went. Now let's all shut the fuck up about it. (laughs) Let's focus on shit that needs to get done. Please. Can we do that, please? Oh, I think I locked John out. Forgetting Uh that he does not have keys. He doesn't have keys to his own home. I lost them doing laundry. <laughs> oh no! Or did he just like? No, no, no like did he were... just like spin a night once and never leave? <laughs> and he still doesn't have a key. <laughs> That's how he knows. That's how, That's how I maintain the control that I have. Oh, that's funny. He did a spin a night and he's still here. Oh, good. <laughs> We're recording. Hello. Hey. Hi, welcome to Ghosts and Hoes. Ghosts and Hoes. Ghosts and Hoes. Paranormal podcast where we talk about all things spooky yeah. and locking your boyfriend out of the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's permanent sex guest has just been locked out of the house. He it's came like, on a spin a night and he never left. It's like, no. This is how you learn. He just packed the eternal hoe bag. <laughs> or just slowly started bringing things over. It, no, his, his, I imagine his hoe bag to be like Mary Poppins' bag. It's like just, the eternal hoe bag and just, just everything endless. always comes out. Everything he needs always just keeps coming out. Yeah, too. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a funny scenario I have in my head now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Nose so, is running because it is cold. Yes, you don't have the Ronus. I don't. Well, that's good. Um, I have a backhoe. And let me get to I have to backhoe myself. So uh, one of our listeners messaged me about uh, the Laura Palmer Hazel Drew story, mm-hmm. who lives in the area. Um, and their Instagram is shit that scares me blog. Hmm. Um, and the town that Hazel was supposedly going to go to, to visit friends, was pronounced Watervliet. Sure. Yes. So, thank you for that. And then another one of our listeners, um, also lives in the area, and sounds like we're going to have to go party with her in the aftertimes, because, um, yeah, party. Where is her name? And I lost it. (laughs) Life. I'll find it. You do something. Um, where did it go? <clears throat> I don't know. All right. Well, do you have any backhoes? Uh, a couple. I remember seeing that message though. I know. Or it was on. There it is, Jess. There it is. There we go. Yep, Jess I E. I'm assuming that's Jesse because there's an underscore. It's very clever. That but yeah, uh, girl, sense. your makeup is. Bomb and yes, in the aftertimes we On will most certainly hang freak. out. Yeah, <laughs> no, her makeup's fucking bomb. So, um, first to shout out to our new patron Samara. Hello, Samara. Uh, and also, I don't know when your birthday actually is, but I'm assuming sometime this month. So, happy birthday! Oh, yay! Why are we assuming this? Because she said she was buying herself a Patreon membership for her birthday. 
Oh, well then, yes. I would. Yeah. I think that's a fair assumption. Happy birthday. Agreed. Whenever that may be. Yes. And then... And then... This has been posted a few times. Oh, God. In... Hang on, I have to find it now. Well, I mean... Okay, that didn't take that long. Um, So, after over 50 years... The 340 cipher from the Zodiac Killer was solved. It sure shit was. Right. It was uh, solved by amateur code breakers David Oranchek, Sam Blake, and Jarl Van Eyck. Oh, Jarl. Yeah. yeah. Good old Jarl. Yeah. Jarl. I know Jarl. That yeah. guy. Uh, apparently, the message was in all caps. Uh, there was zero punctuation, and the word paradise was misspelled. With a C. Instead of an S. And I have it here. So it says, I hope you're having lots of fun trying to catch me. Uh, that wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner. Because now, or because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise, so they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life will be an easy one in paradise death. Huh. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that Sounds like he might have had uh, people helping him. Who knows? That's just Signed the one the Zodiac. No, message. I think that's what he was referring to is is the people he's killing are going to be his slaves in the afterlife. Oh. I think that's what he was referring to. Possibly. That would that would be my that's how I interpreted that. I didn't interpret it at all aside from nonsense. I was like, well, hmm. yeah, but I think that's what he was saying. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. So there you go. But yeah, so that was a thing that happened. That was pretty cool. So hopefully those three dudes will get on the rest of them. Yeah, because that one really didn't shine any light on anything aside from the Zodiac Killer being a nut. But that's the thing. Well, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know that any of them would actually shine a light. You know, I mean, I can't imagine he'd be like, here I am. This is me. Who's to say? But home dude was a fucking nut. Touche. And there's a lot of those fucking ciphers to... Yeah. Decipher. So. But, actually, he's real good at ciphers. Real good at those. (laughs) I mean. mean, It took over 50 years for anyone to be like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Because then the FBI was like, yep, nope, you guys got it. That's it. Mm -hmm. Right? But then again, they'd probably be like, we have no idea, so. It's probably sure. best guess, yeah. Yeah, sounds good to us. Sure. That is absolutely what the fuck it says. Yep. Absolutely. Like, you did it. We don't have to. We've been trying for 51 years. <laughs> Nailed it! And then these fucking three come out of nowhere and be like, hey, friends at the FBI, here you go. This, this is what it says. Um, I can't remember what all they do. I think one of them... I want to say one that's like a math teacher or something. Yeah, I saw they're like amateur. Yeah, but they're crime real life jobs sleuths. I was like, hmm, okay, sure, sounds fun. I mean, not for me if any kind of math is involved. But I mean, deciphering crazy codes, cracking codes sounds fun. Could be, but it involves math. I think a lot of the time, I would assume so. If it's a cipher, I I like the whole. I like the whole, like, criminal profiling 
psychological profiling. Yeah, there's idea. no math. That's, there. No, there's no math. That's fun. There's no math there, which I'm into because math is the devil. Fuck math. The hard. Um. Oh. Also. Oh, I know what say, you're gonna say. Yeah. For people that listen also to my favorite murder, we have to say rest in peace, dear sweet baby angel Elvis. Mm. Yeah. May he have all the cookies in heaven. He's a cross-eyed cat. He was a Siamese cat, uh, one of the hosts of My Favorite Murder. She'd had him for 16 years, and he went to kitty heaven. Well, that was a very long kitty life. He was, and he was loved by many. Oh, and well, um, yes. they just made, um, it's called the Elvis Cookie Fund. Mm-hmm. So um, you can donate... Uh, a cookie, which is a $5 donation, to the ASPCA in Elvis's name. Well, isn't that delightful? So if you want to do that, they have links um, that go directly to the ASPCA. Um, so you can donate a cookie for Elvis. Nice. Poor I assume those cookies kitty. go to... That money goes to other... Well, it goes directly to the ASPCA. Got it, got it. Got it. Yeah. I was... Never mind. <laughs> I was like, cookies, where do the cookies go? It's a, you just explained the whole fucking I thing. Really, it's cool. I really did. Yep. No, nope. I did. Sure did. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I did. Yep. Sure did. Yep. Anywho. Yeah. I'm cold. It's fucking cold outside. That's why. Yeah. And the heater, <clears throat> the heater in this room is covered by a curtain and two wide chairs. I'm so. Good. Don't really want to watch I'd rather be no, this than when we were recording in here in the summer oh. with no Prior air and it was that was three beans in the devil's chain. I actually thought about that today. Yeah, also right yeah, and we were came. literally fucking suffocating. Yeah. That was so hot, suffocating. So, anywho, so hot. Well, all the backhoes are covered. Who goes first? You do. Me. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a good thing I have a story. And do you have it all today? I have a complete story. Okay, good. I do. I really do. <laughs> Excellent. So, the story I'm about to tell y'all, I mean, it's not great. Okay. It's, it's no Dean Coral or anything, but it's just not good in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, today I've got a tale of kids from the wrong side of the track, but not in a pretty pink kind of way, more in the Visago kind mm-hmm. of way. Uh, the story's going to end with two teens dead, one murdered, and the other by suicide, leaving a quiet New York community literally rocked. Hang on. Did you say pretty pink? Did you miss a word? Pretty and pink. I feel like you skipped a word. I might have. But okay. Continue. Yes. So today I have the tale of Ricky Casso, the Acid King, Ooh. and the murder of Gary Lowers. Hmm. So to get a feel for today's story... First, we need to start with the satanic panic. Mm. By definition, the satanic panic, yes, I know, (laughs) was a time in the early 80s where allegations of ritualistic satanic abuse were fucking running rampant, starting with the McMartin Preschool in Manhattan Beach, California. And it became a literal fucking phenomena across the country, kind of like, you know, every other fucking fad out there now. That's pretty much how this went. People were paranoid. And very much like the McCarthy-era paranoia surrounding communism, the thought was the devil worshippers could be anywhere. They could be your next-door neighbor, and they could be your child's caregiver. 
I could do an entire episode on the satanic panic, and I most likely will, but today I just wanted y'all to understand the climate of the times when this story takes place. Horror movies were labeled satanic, rock music was labeled satanic, and most bands ate it up and ran with it. The more evil and satanic the album cover looked, the more money they made from the young rocker kids with the big hair and the Marlboro Reds hidden in their backpacks. But... It also made the conservative parents worry and buy into the idea of the satanic takeover of the youth of America. And that, my friends, is when the story takes place. Mm -hmm. Richard Allen Casso Jr., or Ricky, was born March 29, 1967 in Huntington, New York, to parents Richard and Lynn Casso. Ricky had three sisters, and they were all raised in Northport, which is a suburb on Long Island. Richard Sr. was a football coach, and Lynn was a high school history teacher. Ricky had a totally normal childhood, supposedly. He grew up in the typical 80s suburb in a town so quiet and safe it only had ever had five murders in its entire history. He was a clean-cut kid that never got into any trouble until the seventh grade. Hmm. That's when Ricky tried LSD for the first time. Yes. <laughs> After that, it all fucking changed. The first time he got into trouble was for stealing punch from the church. And within a year, he was full-blown into addiction. That seems like a weird thing to get in trouble for, but also a weird thing to steal? Right? Like, w- was the first he- thing he stole and got in trouble for was punch from the church. Like, did he steal a box of fruit punch mix? Did he steal a fucking bowl of punch? Right? Either way, he stole punch. That's fucking weird. Well, Ricky's parents immediately realized there was a problem, and they put him into a local drug program, but Ricky wouldn't go. They tried to commit him into a psychiatric facility, but that did nada. Weird. Richard and Lynn had had enough, and they kicked 16-year-old Ricky out of the house. He would sleep in the woods or friends' houses when he could. He dropped out of school and became the local drug dealer for the high school set. And by this time, Ricky was doing ungodly amounts of LSD, PCP, mescaline, hash, and weed. His friends and acquaintances said that they had never seen him sober. He did so many hallucinogens that he was actually dubbed the Acid King. Oh. 40 hits of acid a day was his go-to norm. Jesus. 40, four zero. That is a day. Fuck yeah, Ricky. That, Get it. That feels like a day. too much. It feels much. excessive. That's, he's 16. That is too much. Right. Says you. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's 1983. The country is all about the satanic panic, and Ricky is rocking the day away with a clinically stunning amount of hallucinogens coursing through his body and listening to obvious devil worshippers like ACDC, Black Sabbath, Ozzy Osbourne, and Judas Priest. Okay. So he also, as teens do, bought into what was freaking the entire adult's community in the country fucking out and he bought a copy of the satanic bible and would drop a good old hail satan whenever possible of course except for ricky it wasn't a joke he liked to go to the cemetery to trip acid and that's where he told his friends that he would go and commune with satan 
They also would say later that none of them ever actually saw him perform any rituals of any kind. There was no animal abuse or anything like that. He would just kind of chant Satan's name over and over. They said that he did make jokes and comments about committing suicide, saying that death is the ultimate trip. Ricky's parents were getting more concerned. Their son's literally homeless. They kicked him out. He's like, yeah, okay, cool, fuck you. So they tried to have him committed again, this time, to the Amityville Asylum. Ooh. Ricky, however, was not down, and he refused to cooperate in any treatment whatsoever. So now most of the local teens just thought of him as the local drug dealer with the fried brain. The preppy kids thought he was a dirtbag. And everyone thought he was a burnout, but not quite as crazy as he pretended to be. He did have a very small group of actual friends that consisted of Albert Quinones, Jimmy Troiano, and Gary Lowers. They all called themselves the Knights of the Black Circle. Yeah. So they were the kids your parents didn't want you hanging out with. The boys I flocked to like a goddamn moth to a flame. They had sick 80s rocker mullets, tight jeans, cigarettes, booze, and the devil's music. The only thing missing was the bitchin' fucking Camaro. <laughs> These were bad boys doing bad boy things. And one day, Ricky decided he needed a skull. So they were going to get one from a local Revolutionary War cemetery, and he said he needed it to do a ritual at the Amityville house on Walpurgisnacht, sure. and then he would just go sell it for drug money. <clears throat> well, neither would ever fucking happen because he got caught literally red-handed with a skull in his hands and got arrested and in trouble for grave robbing. So let's fast forward one year into 1984. Ricky's living in the woods and couch surfing. He got really sick with pneumonia and was hospitalized. Lynn Casso tried one more time to have her son involuntarily committed to another psychiatric facility. He was evaluated and he, of course, denied having any suicidal ideations or worshiping Satan for that matter. Mm -hmm. The psychiatrist at the hospital decided that he was antisocial and not presently psychotic, so he wasn't a danger to himself or anyone else and could not be involuntarily committed. Well, oh, how very fucking wrong he would be. I was just about to say that's... So, dude gets better, gets out of the hospital, goes right back to it, and here, my friends, is where shit takes a turn. Oh, no. So one night at a party... Ricky's passed out, and his homie Gary Lowers goes through what I'll assume was his jean jacket pocket and found ten fucking bags of angel dust, a.k.a. the PCP. Oh, that's so much PCP. Ten bags. So Gary's like, yeah, score. And, well, Gary done fucked up. Uh-oh. So Ricky eventually wakes up and realizes that someone has taken his shit and he's pissed. Gary fesses up, but he only had five bags left, which he gave back immediately and promised to pay Ricky the $50 it would take to cover the cost of the missing shit. Gary, of course, didn't have a job, so Ricky put him on a payment plan. Huh. Yeah. That's okay. Good, yeah. Well, things weren't quite the same after that. Despite Lauer's promises to pay the money back, Ricky treated him a bit differently. He was mean. He would randomly beat his ass from time to time. 
But by mid-June, Gary had paid back all of the $50 he owed, and the crew thought that would be that. Things seemed to be cool between the two dudes now, but I wouldn't be here telling y'all about it if it were now, would I? Yeah. No, I would not. No. So June 19th, 1984, the crew, the Knights of the Black Circle, Ricky, Albert, Jimmy, went and asked Gary if he wanted to hang out and go out into the woods to get high. Gary, for whatever reason, didn't immediately want to go at first, but Ricky said, hey, I'll I'll buy us all some jelly donuts. So Gary changed his mind because apparently jelly donuts in your face. I love it. I say jelly donuts and I see your head pop over. Fucking gross. (laughs) Why is that your bargaining chip? Fuck you. It's not PCP. You want to come hang out in the forest? I got jelly donuts. (laughs) Fuck you. Right? Fucking cocksucker. God damn. Well, it did the trick. He's, he's like, yeah, cool. Jelly What's this donuts. dude's name again? Who, which one? Ricky or Gary? The one who's taking the donut. Who's who's buying the donuts? Yeah. Ricky the Acid King is buying the donuts. Right, right. Now, who's he buying them he, for again? He's trying to lure Gary into the woods. Yeah, fuck Gary. He deserves it. Well. <sighs> Gary, you dummy. You never, never. Jelly donuts. Jelly donuts. It's the 80s. There are a million other things he could get. Yeah, well. Like jelly maybe donuts. maybe Gary really was the fucking jelly donut king. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know that. Maybe he just really fucking loved a jelly donut. Gary dies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> we're not gonna find that out. No, it's a I'm riddle just, that will forever go unsolved. Yeah, I'm just gonna forever. say that he that was his. That was just his thing. We, f- we will forever gem. not know if Gary was the jelly donut king. Get out. <laughs> Get out. Get you don't out get to do that. Of this good Christian home. <laughs> I'm not even sorry. It is almost the end of 2020, the year of our Lord. <laughs> and you come in here with that kind of a pun? Yeah. Fired. Yeah. I love you. Go fuck yourself. You threaten me with a good time. <laughs> All right. So. Jelly donuts. No, I have more to snap. (laughs) Jelly donuts. So the dudes, a few other peeps, and a whole lot of fucking jelly donuts go out into the woods. Mm -mm. (laughs) That just, because my brain is a dick, is just imagining like a group of turds walking into the forest. With jelly donuts? No, like jelly donuts just actually just walking behind. I'm like, do, 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 going into the forest. Because apparently I've done acid today, I guess. (laughs) Well, then it's a good time I did this story. Picturing sentient jelly donuts. Jesus Christ. So they decide they're going to make a bonfire and everyone's going to do drugs and get high and do what they do. Yeah. Well, the wood was wet and it wouldn't burn. So Gary took off his socks and used them to get the fire started. Didn't get quite big enough. So then in badass fashion, cut off the sleeves of his jean jacket to throw in for good measure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure if y'all listen real hard right now, you can hear Dawkins playing in the distance. Mm-hmm. This is like every 80s girl, teen girl fantasy. Dude literally cutting off his jean jacket sleeves to throw into a bonfire. Like, right? Mm. I imagine these guys as like the Lost Boys before they were the Lost Boys. Oh, they they sure. were just like, right? Yeah. yeah the yeah. fucking douchey party rocker guys mm-hmm. just ripping off jean jacket sleeves and throwing them in bonfires. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> so what happens next, though? Not quite so hot. Um, bonfires rolling. Drugs were taken. Between the four dudes, the Knights of the Black Circle. Ugh. 
they took 40 hits of acid. Yes. 10 hits each and smoked 17 bags of PCP. Oh, no. Okay. That's too many drugs. That's too many PCPs. That is... <laughs> it's too many angel dusts. That's all the angel dusts. Yes. That's too many... We. That's... It's too many. It's too many PCPs. It's too so, many PCPs. Right. So the randos eventually left, and it was just the four dudes. Now, based on the amount of drugs taken and the account of what went down isn't quite clear. Weird. But at one point, Ricky and Jimmy Troiano attacked Gary Lowers. They beat and kicked him until Ricky pulled out a knife and started to stab Gary repeatedly. Albert Quinones would later say that Jimmy held Gary down while Ricky stabbed him, which Jimmy would later deny, but we'll get to it. He did admit to helping drag the body further into the woods to help try and cover it up with some brush, which he did, but when they got there and started covering him up, Gary Lowers sits straight the fuck up. Uh Homie ain't dead. Yo, boy. And according to Jimmy, Casso flips shit and starts to stab Gary multiple times until he was actually dead. He was only 17 years old. These are young kids. Yikes. That's why this story's not great. Yeah. So, Ricky and Jimmy throw the knife off of a bridge, and they and Albert make an agreement to never tell anyone about what happened that night. Knights of the Black Circle Pact or what the fuck ever. Well, y'all, guess what? Drugs. See, Ricky was a loose fucking cannon. Not only was he perpetually fucked up, he was always the dude that wanted people to know how crazy he was. Yeah. He told plenty of people what he'd done. He even bragged about it. He said that after the murder, Satan had appeared in the form of a crow just to give his approval. Well, no one believed him because it was just high as fuck old dirtbag Ricky Casso talking shit again. Boy who cried Satan. Right. right. The boy the who cried Satan. Sounds like a title to me. <laughs> uh, so Ricky said he would prove it. Over the span of a few days... Ricky took close to 20 people to the woods to see Gary Lauer's body. No. And the super fucked up part is that no one, not a single one of those 20 people told a parent, let alone the police, that they had just gone to see a dead body in the woods. That's some... How fucked up is that? That's some river's edge... Right? Bullshit right there. Right? Like, come on, guys. Right? This is like one great big 80s movie. Yeah. But it happened. a bunch of, I feel it's like a ton of 80s movies <laughs> right? thrown together. Right? We've got the Lost Boys prequel. Right. We've got fucking River's Edge. We've got Stand By Me. Right. I exactly. feel like a little bit of The Outsiders in there. Yeah. Right. So Gary's body starts to decompose and the woods aren't far out from the neighborhood. And the smell was starting to become noticeable. So Ricky and Jimmy decided to go and actually bury the body. They did. Then they're like, hey, let's go hitchhike to California. Go sell drugs, live in the sun, and that's that. They'd gotten away with murder, so why not go party, right? Or so they had thought. Shortly after they had taken off, the police did get a phone call. An anonymous call on July 1st from someone that had overheard a conversation that a girl had gone, was talking, saying she went and saw this body in the woods. 
and uh, that J- Ricky Casso had been bragging about murdering Gary Lowers. And turn page mm. that he had been showing off his dead body in the woods. Well, there was no missing persons report on Gary Lowers, so they just blew it off. Okay. But then people started complaining about a smell coming out of the woods. So they eventually decided to check it out. That would have to be quite a smell, I feel. It's July in New York. For a smell to be coming out of the woods. Mm -hmm. Be like, hey, there's a smell in the woods. They're like, yeah, it's the woods. They're like, no, a smell, though. A Mm. non-woodsy smell. Yeah. Mm -mm. So July 4th. The police go out with cadaver dogs, and they immediately find the body of Gary Lowers in a very, very shallow grave. An autopsy would reveal that he had died of multiple stab wounds to the back and the face, mainly his left eye socket. So, meanwhile, Ricky and Jimmy had hitched as far as Chicago before they changed their minds, and they decided to go back home. So, they sold a bunch of drugs, bought a cheap-ass car, and drove back to New York. They have no idea that the cops have found Gary's body. Yeah. Right. So when they got home, they partied with a bunch of friends. They were sleeping in their new car. The police got a call about a suspicious vehicle parked in a neighborhood. So an officer was dispatched to go check it out. When he got there, looked inside the car, he saw the two dudes sleeping Happened to be the two teens they were looking for, so he calls for backup. Ricky and Jimmy woke up on July 6th, surrounded by 18 police officers with their guns drawn. Oh, my. Good morning, motherfucker. (laughs) Hello. Hey. Could you step out of the car, please? I don't really want to. (laughs) Well, there's 18 of us, and there's two of you, and you're a 17-year-old child. Get the fuck out the car. Yeah, but were they on... 40 PCPs? Because I feel they like they could have taken them all out. Exactly. I feel out. Oh, oh. PCP strength. That's no joke. I think that's why they had 18 cops surrounding two teenage boys. Yeah, because they weren't. They're like, that's too many PCPs. We can't be too safe right now. <laughs> right? Right? It's too fucking many. They've got like Hulk strength and Spider Man quickness. It's. Yeah. PCPs are weird. It's. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's, I don't like it. That's. Fucking. I don't like it. No, thank you. Mm-mm. No, thank you. So they were arrested as well as Albert Quinones because they're like, hey, this guy was there too. Albert, however, made an immediate plea deal for immunity in exchange for his testimony. Wise. Ricky and Jimmy were charged with murder. Ricky Casso confessed, but he didn't give any reason as to why he killed Gary Lowers. But what he did say was... That he was shouting satanic stuff while he did it. Okay. Okay, Ricky. That's not... We didn't ask you that, Yeah, Ricky. No. I know. So, Quinones, in his statement, said that while stabbing Gary, Ricky yelled, Say you love Satan. To which Gary replied, I love my mom. Oh, Which makes me sad, considering... That's very sad. His family didn't even notice or care that he was gone. Hmm. Right? Or maybe he was just being sarcastic while being stabbed, which is kind of badass. Or maybe he was just high as fuck and not aware of what even fucking was really happening. Yeah, I was like, again, it's too many PCPs, so... He'd gone through one round of stabbing and then sat the fuck up again, so I don't know. Um, Ricky was charged with murder. Yeah. But... 
He would actually never go to trial. Oh. The day after his arrest on July 7th, 1984, he hung himself in his jail cell. Wow. Ricky Casso was also just 17 years old. Hmm. Now, with Albert Quinones' immunity deal, the only person left to try was Jimmy Troiano, which was deserved for it aiding and abetting at least. Yeah. But there was a problem. Oh. See, because at the time of the murder, he and the others were so high and out of their minds on fucking LSD and PCP that his story changed on a, a daily basis. Mm. And it wasn't necessarily to lie and cover his ass. No, he just... But as he told his lawyer, it's hard to remember exactly what happened when the trees are melting and the stars are rushing around. Yeah, I was like, so many drugs right. were happening. I can't even imagine you would know what happened that night. Exactly any of them. So Jimmy Troiano signed and retracted two different confessions. Oh. Because he was so high, he didn't yeah. remember any of it. So how reliable could his testimony even fucking be? And was Albert's testimony reliable? Did any of them know what the fuck really happened? And could either of them even be believed? Well, the evidence showed that the wounds in Gary Lauer's back could have indicated that he had been held down or that he could have just been passed out and attacked then. During his testimony at Jimmy's trial, Albert Quinones changed his original statement and said that Jimmy actually had not held Gary down for Ricky Casso. So with nothing concrete to go on, Jimmy Troiano was acquitted of second-degree murder. The papers, of course, had a heyday. Naturally. And Say You Love Satan was many a headline in many a paper and magazine, as well as Ricky Casso's arrest photos, which, when you Google his name, that is the first fucking thing that pops up. His mugshot, he's all wild-eyed and wearing an ACDC shirt, Hail Satan. The police made a statement that Ricky was in a satanic cult, which wasn't quite accurate. No. The Knights of the Black Circle was a self-proclaimed group of Satan satanist drug dealing delinquents that killed cats and considered themselves a cult ricky knew them but was not friends with them and he just took the name and formed his own little group i'm assuming to feel cool and scare the shit out of his parents and yeah. other adults mm -hmm. so was ricky casso an evil devil worshiping psycho in my opinion the answer is no he was a kid that took too many fucking drugs and tried to act like an evil de devil-worshipping psycho, and it just went too fucking far. After his death, one of his party friends said, Ricky always had that spaced-out look about him. He used to run his mouth about being satanic like he is the devil. When he was high, he'd always sit there and laugh at you like he was trying to pretend to be crazy. Gary Lauer's murder became fodder for the media and the driving forces behind the satanic panic. Geraldo Rivera even did a primetime special called Devil Worship, Exposing Satan's Underground, as media circuses do the things they do. Um, it all faded away, as did the satanic panic. There was no devil to blame in this case, just some mental health issues, some questionable family issues, and a whole lot of fucking drugs. Too many drugs. And that... Is the story of Ricky Casso, the Acid King, and the murder of Gary Lowers. I hadn't heard of that one. Yeah, and his, if you Google him, I mean, 
it, there's so many pictures of that of his arrest photos mm-hmm. specifically. More of his arrest photos than his mugshot. He was a good-looking kid. And we're talking by like 80s stoner style good looking kid. I have to look. Like now. I said, he he's the dude I would have I would have I would have been one of those randos out in the fucking woods. <laughs> Except I don't do the PCPs. I never did then either though. Ricky. I mean, not that I do now. But <laughs> don't lie. <laughs> I'm on the PCP right now. Um but you know, here's the thing. Gary Lowers was all of these boys were the dudes from the wrong side of the track, right? These were the dudes that your parents didn't want you to hang out with in high school because yeah. they always had a pack of Marlboro Reds or they, you know, they're wearing their devil worshiping T-shirts and they listen to heavy metal music. Yeah. But Gary was adopted. He was a, he ran away enough that his parents didn't report him missing. That's why there was not a missing persons report on Gary Lowers. Mm-hmm. Um, Ricky Casso. Supposedly had this great childhood. But what makes a boy in the seventh grade, aside from, okay, yeah, I did acid for the first time. So between why the... Teen angst? Maybe. And and drugs are bad. I get it. And especially hallucinogens. I mean, but what makes your... if, If he was just an average, clean cut kid, did LSD one time and then that was it. Within two years, he's taking 40 fucking hits a day? Hard to say. You got to know family history of addiction issues. Right. He may have been genetically predisposed for but that's the addiction thing. issues. Well, I don't, I mean, is LSD something you could actually become addicted to? I'm going to say yes. That's a weird one. If but... you're taking 40 Dabs of LSD but what a I day. Do know? I feel like you might be addicted. Is if you are predisposed to mental health issues, mm-hmm. any sort of psychosis or schizophrenia or anything like that, LSD can trigger those things. Oh, absolutely. They can trigger mm-hmm. underlying meta, you know, mental health issues that may never have come out in you ever. Yeah, but it especially can, it can trigger them. Yeah, especially when you're already a teenager and underdeveloped. Right? In the frontal lobe. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, my sources are Wikipedia, RollingStone.com, David Breskin, and Medium.com. Con. There's an M, not an N. uh, Delaney R. Bartlett. Oh, I think I've used some of her articles before. Did you look them up? I did. Typical 80s rocker kid, right? Yeah. I feel like he looks like somebody I know. Right? But I'm not sure who. Yeah. Oh, there's a... Yeah, but they all, you know, look like your typical 80s bad boys. Mm-hmm. So... They look... It kind of reminds me of, like, the stereotypical stoner kids that just try yep. too hard. Yeah. Like... Yeah. When you think about it, you already know pretty much what he looks like. You're like, oh, yeah, I went to yep. high school with that kid. We all went to high school with that kid. Yeah, you're like... That That kid was in all of our high schools. Yeah. I got that fucking guy. Especially mine, because I did actually go to high school in the 80s. You did. So, there's that. But yeah, I mean, he was... He was many a boy I had a crush on in the 80s. Many a boy. Looking at his picture. Right? I can see it. See? Well, I mean, for you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was the 80s, man. Fuck yeah. I did enjoy his feathered hair. <sighs> How could you not? But yeah, they all look like that. Just, yeah. you know, wrong side of the tracks mm-hmm. and just bad boys being bad boys. It just went too fucking far. Too fuck. Too fucking far. That's all. That's all I it can't is. Say it enough. It's too many PCPs. It's too many PCPs. He didn't fucking worship the devil. He wasn't a satanist. No. He was just trying to appear to be the really bad kid. He just was trying too hard. Wanted to be scary for whatever reason. Yeah, well, we, but again, again, there's always that kid in your high school. Yeah. Just my mainly my guess is angst. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Well, and just because the satanic panic was mm-hmm. going on, and and that was the climate of the nation, and that's what was setting off all the adults mm-hmm. in the world. So, or like, the country, I should say. So, why wouldn't that be? If you want to be the ultimate bad boy, that's the route you're going to yeah, go. It's right? Kind of like a fuck you to his parents, exactly, for no other reason aside from being a teenager. Yes, and it just went too fucking far, too and that's far. why I was like, this, it's it's not bad in a Dean Coral kind of way. It's just it's just sad in general because it. Yeah. Just went too fucking far. Too many PCPs. Too many PCPs. Manip nope. Hail Satan. That was weird. Yeah, itchy titties? Uh, yeah, just the one. It happens sometimes. Yeah, it was weird. Just gotta scratch them. Uh, well, it may it may have known what's coming. Oh, that means your story's real bad. It's not great at all. Glad we started with my lighthearted PCP. I know. I was because I was looking today to make sure who went first. And I was like, uh-oh. You're like, I bet oh, Well, that's not going to be great. Because it's back to murder this week, y'all. Uh, so, you know, I said I had to take a break between all the it's cannibalism murder and murder. Day. Murder uh, day. Next week, I will not have a murder. Next week, I will have something else. No, I still will. And that's, well, that's um, But, uh, as promised... There is a reason why I chose this case for this week. Uh, But before I start, I have to ask y'all a question. Yes, I like questions. Do you like scary movies? Yeah, yeah I do. What are you doing? That's right. Today I'm going to be telling y'all about the real life serial killer that inspired Kevin Williamson to write Scream, which was released 24 years ago this week. That's dope. So 24 years ago? Yeah. Scream? Yep. Scream. Bullshit. Yeah. I know. No. Yep. No. Yep. It no. Was. It was like 10 max. Nope. It's like three. 24. I don't understand. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it, but it's true. So this. Everything I think happened at max 10 years ago is like 20 years. Yeah. yeah. Add in, if you think it's ten, add another ten. But this is the story of Daniel Harold Rowling, aka the Gainesville Ripper. Ooh, it's not good, guys. It's rough. So they didn't call him Ghostface. No, uh-huh. uh, that that was made up by I'm pretty sure Kevin West, Williamson. I've heard of the Gainesville Ripper, but I don't know much about him. So well, you gonna learn today? I gonna learn. <laughs> Gonna learn today. You're gonna get learned. And chances are it's not gonna be anything I like. Yep. Oh no. Mm-mm. It's bad. Great. So, Daniel Harold Rowling, known as Danny, was born in Shreveport, Louisiana on May 26th, 1954. And the following year, his brother Kevin was born. 54? Yep. Got it. Uh, life wasn't easy for Claudia Rowling um, and her boys, mm-hmm. says mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were constantly physically, mentally, and verbally abused by the family patriarch, James who was a Shreveport police officer. Ah. Mm. 
Cops can do no wrong. <laughs> uh, when Danny was a year old, his father beat him for apparently not crawling properly. Oh. And constantly told his kids, but especially Danny, that he had never wanted them. Wow. Yeah. Um, he was kind of like... James is a dick. He's super dick. And apparently he would also beat Danny with a belt in addition to other awful things. Uh, Claudia did attempt to leave James many times, uh, but always ended up going back to him. Uh, Danny flunked the third grade due to the number of days he was out sick. Mm-hmm. And school counselors would describe him as, quote unquote, suffering from an inferiority complex with aggressive tendencies and poor impulse control. Yikes. Yeah. At, at, at like eight. At eight. Wow. Yeah. Eight or nine. Wow. We've got a brewing problem. Oh boy. Do we've got we a little ever. time bomb. Just like Jerry Brutus. Just a little five year old fucking time bomb. A little, a little bit. Um, it was also around that same time that Claudia Rowling had a little bit of a breakdown. <laughs> yeah. Um, blame her. When Danny was 11, he began playing the guitar and singing, uh, mostly hymnals or similar mu- similar music Bless to that. Bless his heart. Yeah. Uh, Claudia was committed to a hospital after slitting her wrists. Uh, Fuck. I think Danny was about 10 when that happened, 10 or 11. Jesus. Um, although she claimed that her husband had forced her to do it. Um, to... Right, for sure, right, 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 right. Um, and James Rowling's cruelty knew no bounds, and he even once beat Danny, pinned him to the ground, cuffed him, and called his cop buddies to take his son away, all because he said the boy embarrassed him. Like, he was an embarrassment, and he didn't want to deal with him anymore. Wow. Yeah. Following his mother's questionable suicide attempt, because I'm not quite sure if she actually did it or if her husband did tell her make her do right, it. Right, right, right. Uh, Danny started dabbling in drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was 14, his neighbors caught him creeping and peeping into their daughter's room through through her window, uh, an act which earned him another beating from his father. Uh, yeah. That is also a thing that didn't go away, the peeping. Um, during this time, he did allegedly try to behave himself by attempting to hold down a few... Like part-time jobs here and there, and regularly attending church. Obviously, if that had worked, we would not be here. No. Uh-uh. Uh, the next year, Danny would mimic his mother's suicide attempt and slit his own wrists. Uh, he left a note on the bathroom mirror, which was written in Claudia's lipstick, that said, I tried, I just can't make it. Oh. He survived, geez. clearly, but his father made it abundantly clear that he knew his son would amount to nothing and told him he would either end up in debt, dead or in jail. Not wrong. He was not. Uh, in nineteen seventy, Solid fathering, though, right? <laughs> right. I mean, just the... Solid fathering. Straight up. Father of the year. Jesus, fuck. Uh, in 1971, Danny dropped out of high school and decided to enlist in the military. His first choice was the Navy, uh, they gave him a hearty no thanks, so he chose to enlist. Why? Wait, I thought I thought <laughs> say, Navy was the last was the like the last in the line, the last chance. No, National Guard. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. And his he his next choice is technically would be considered the step up from the last step, which is not me. That's my military family. 
telling mm-hmm. me these are the rankings, uh, was the Air Force. Mm. Oh, okay. Uh, he initially did really well in all of his studies, but as it turned out, the military wasn't his thing, and in 1972, he was kicked out because the responsibility of being an active serviceman was cutting into his drug time. Mm. Well, like, uh, he drank, smoked weed, and did a lot of acid. Well, you know, it cut into Dimer's drinking lot. time, too. So, yeah. He didn't like, work out in the military either. No, he did not. This was a lot of acid he did. Uh, he also stole a bike, which was super frowned upon. I've got, in, I've got YM, not YMC, I've got the village people in the Navy in my head now. Oh, well, in the Navy. <laughs> not a song that he could sing. In the Air Force. <laughs> there you go. That's his, he had to sing that version to himself. You kicked out. As he, you know, just did all of his acid. Um, it's acid day. Apparently it is. Coast. We did it again. It's hallucinogen um, day. Also noteworthy is the fact that an Air Force psychiatrist diagnosed Rowling with a personality disorder during his short military career. Yeah. If only somebody had done something with that. But they didn't. Uh, Rowling made his way back to Shreveport, where he lived with his grandfather for a while. And in 1974, he met and married a petite brunette named Omather Halco. I'm sorry? Omather. There are some sites that say Omatha, but in the articles that I read that were transcripts from his actual court, it's Omather. What's her full name? Uh, Omather is her first name. Uh-huh. And the last name is Halco, H-A-L-K-O. Well, that was... What a fucking cool name. Right? And then... Oh, Mother Halco. It's something else now because she did get remarried. Surprise, they get divorced. Um, At least she's alive. Yeah. So there's that. Um, So they met at the King's Temple United Pentecostal Church. Um, Who's Jesus? Yep. Married in 74. Their daughter, Kylie, was born in 75, but again, the marriage wouldn't last. Uh, Rolling drank heavily, which caused impotence issues. He had whiskey dick. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Not to mention he couldn't hold a, hold down a job for very long. Again, he hold his dick up for very long either. Ayo! Hey. <laughs> um, he was abusive to his wife, and after he threatened to kill her in 1977, she took their daughter and left. Good job. Uh, she filed for divorce soon after leaving, which for some reason enraged rolling like i'm not sure how he was surprised right sir you had to know that was coming isn't that weird how Um, they always tend to be though right why are you leaving me how could you leave me well sir you threatened to kill me you're an asshole not great friend um I read an article from the 1994 trial which contradicted some of this information when O'Mather testified and stated that Rowling had been a loving husband and he'd never mentioned being abused by his father, James. I can't wrap my brain around it, so I'm not going to try and I'm just going to move on. Fair. I was like, girl, what? no. Okay. Uh, Following the divorce, Rowling became somewhat of a drifter. And later in 1977, he would be involved in a car accident that would cost one woman her life. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. That same year, he would also rape a woman that reminded him of his ex-wife. So that was his first rape then? Yeah, probably. So That's the, the first one that we divorced, know about. Kills a lady in a car accident and then rape. Yeah, the that first... Was quite the jump. That was just like, hey The first one we know about, anyway. Um, 
I couldn't find any sources that shared more information on those two crimes. Mm -hmm. So that leads me to believe little to nothing came of them as far as justice. Okay. Um, At least not right away. For the next few years, Rowling would spend his time roving the South, uh, largely living in tents and wooded areas and committing a number of armed robberies throughout Louisiana, Alabama, and Georgia. Just getting right to it. Yep. Uh, in 1979, he was apprehended by the police after robbing a Winn-Dixie of $956 in Georgia. Oh, okay. Winn-Dixie is a grocery store, if you don't know. I do. I've been to many Winn-Dixies. I like the Winn-Dixie. And Piggly Wigglies. I've never been to one of those. Yeah. It's like Publix. Publix mm. is a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was arrested in Georgia and sentenced to six years in prison. While incarcerated, his fellow inmates would insult him and often referred to him as Psycho. Ah. Uh, he was released in 1985 and hitchhiked across the country, uh, occasionally stopping to stay with the few relatives that would have him. He was arrested for holding up another store in Mississippi not too long after he was released and went back to prison. Mm-hmm. Dr. Harry Krop, a psychologist that examined Rowling after his arrest in 1991, would say that, and this is a quote, Rowling had impulse control problems. Basically, not really thinking through the consequences of his actions, he was very emotionally immature. You don't say, Doc. He's had impulse control issues since he was eight. Now, granted, that was noticed a lot of eight-year-olds have impulse control issues, but that's about the age when you start getting a handle on them. Exactly. I'm, I, oh, that's um, what he looks like. Okay. Yep. Anyhow, before sentencing for the Mississippi armed robbery, he told his attorney that he had an idea. Instead of going to prison, they could just cut off his hands. This is not Saudi Arabia, sir. Inst- or, instead. Right. Because that's not a thing that's going to happen. He was sentenced to four more years in prison. I would have loved to see his attorney's face when he offered that. You could just cut off my hands. He's like, I don't really want to go back to prison. You can cut off my hands. What? We don't. How is that your. What? We don't do that here, sir. What? So, yeah, four more years in prison. They're like, you know what? Absolutely not. No, you're going to fucking prison, buddy. That's just the only option. That's yeah. that's all. It's the only one on the table. Wow. That's not an option, friend. No. So Rowling was paroled after serving three of his four years and once again made his way back to Shreveport. Uh, in November of 1989, he was fired from Poncho's. Uh, it was a Mexican buffet where he worked as a waiter and threatened his manager with violence. Although he didn't act on the threats, he would kill his first victims later that night. Oh, God. Just getting into it. Yep. Uh, He'd seen 24-year-old Julie Grissom at the South Park Mall, where she worked at the Dillard's department store. He stalked her and eventually followed her home, where her father, 55-year-old Tom, and her nephew, 8-year-old Sean, were waiting for her. Uh, While the Grissoms were preparing dinner, Rowling broke into the home and stabbed Tom and Sean to death before brutally raping and killing Julie. After he killed her, he mutilated her body cleaned her up, and posed her with her legs spread out on the bed. Oh, no. How old was this girl? Uh, 24. Um, When the murders were discovered, Julie's body had tape marks on her wrists and bite marks on her breasts. According to Dr. Krop, um, Rowling's 
longtime violent fantasies became real that day and said that Rowling couldn't stand the idea of their family, the Grissoms, being happy. He wouldn't be held responsible for these murders because no one knew he'd committed them until he confessed to Reverend Mike Hudspeth, his spiritual advisor, while he was on death row Hmm. in 2006. In his written confession, he said, I and I alone am guilty. It was my hand that took these precious, that took those precious light out of this old dark world. With all my heart and soul, would I could bring them back. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't believe him. Yeah. So six months passed with no further violence, but that all changed on May 18th, 1990, when he paid a visit to his father. Uh-oh. Yeah, big uh-oh. In a surprise to no one, James and his son got into a fight, only this time with his son being all grown up. Danny Rowling was about 6'2 and spent most of his days in prison working out. Oh. Uh, when the fight broke out at James's house that day, Danny had enough. He pulled out a gun and shot his 59-year-old father in the head and stomach and fled the home, leaving James for dead. Huh. His father would survive. What? But he lost an eye and an ear. Oh, my God. Mm Hmm? Yeah, not great. Survived that. He did. Fuck. Uh, Danny caught a bus and headed to Sarasota. On August 5th, 1990, 30-year-old Janet Frake returned home from a quick trip to the video store. After making what would be a life-saving trip, uh, or a life-saving stop for a six-pack of Keystone Gold. Uh, she was looking forward to watching some videos with a beer and her cats, which, yeah, hard <laughs> saying, Janet. I feel you. Plays cats with dogs and I'm all in. Um, but her relaxing night in would go horribly wrong. About two hours after she'd gotten home, she was attacked by a man in a black ski mask and leather gloves in her bathroom. Uh-oh. You see, Rowling had climbed into her house through her bedroom window and waited. And when, Oof. He, and when he finally attacked, he used duct tape to gag and bind her. In her own words, Janet would later go on to say that, At first, I didn't think it was real. I thought somebody was playing a joke on me. But there was just so much rage in him, so much anger. I've read that there is no right way to deal with rape, that you can take self-defense classes and try to defend yourself, or you can try to be smarter. Well... There's no way I was going to beat this guy. I was tied up and he had locked all the doors. So I decided to stay as calm as I could. Yeah. Rowling told Janet that he intended to, quote unquote, do this all night. And the oh, Anne God. Rule fan used her love of true crime to hatch an escape plan. Ooh, yes, girl. After he told her that he had planned on raping her all night, Janet mentioned that she had uh, some cold beers in the fridge and asked if he might want to take a break. Uh, okay. And this is another quote from Janet. That is fucking smart. It is real smart. That is very smart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she said, and it was weird. He went from uh, one of the meanest, scariest, most violent sons of bitches you could ever imagine to being really calm and relaxed. Um, he ordered her to take a shower and clean herself off, and she used the opportunity to wipe herself with a towel to collect Rowling's DNA. Yes, before girl. Before sliding said towel behind the toilet. After the shower, she poured Rowling's beer into a glass, but didn't manage to get his prints. In a super weird twist, he asked her if he could take off his ski mask. Uh, She told him that she would prefer that he kept it on because she didn't want to see his face, which was smart considering she was certain he'd kill her if she knew what he looked like. Right. They talked for hours 
with Rowling sharing stories of his abusive upbringing and Janet commiserating by sharing her own sad tales. The only difference? I lied out my ass. <gasps> I couldn't have asked for a better family and friends than I had growing up. I'm telling you, I should have gotten an Oscar for that night. Wow. I love her. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, around 1.30 a.m., Janet told Rowling it was probably time to leave. And as he did, he it's, stopped. It's, probably, t- it's probably, probably time to go. I should probably get out of here. Yeah, she was like, hey, buddy, it's pretty late. I probably should go to bed. You know, be seeing you. Uh, he stopped on the way out and asked, would you do me a favor? Would you give me 10 minutes before you call the cops? Wow. Mm-hmm. And oh, he never, shit. Right? And he never took off that ski mask. Nope. Huh. Uh, what a weird fucking encounter. Yeah. Can you imagine? No. Playing besties with your rapist? Yeah. She's so smart. Mm-hmm. So fucking smart brave. that she wiped his DNA on yeah. a towel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God damn. Uh, She's so smart. Right. Uh, How Jan- long ago was this? This was in 1990. So 30 years. Wow. Hate that. Hate it. Yeah. <laughs> DNA was just, I think, barely a thing. A thing. Yeah. Like Still, testing for it and stuff. Damn. Yeah. But that's, she had to have heard about it somewhere, probably from Ann Rule, because she was apparently a huge right. fan. Right. Um, so Janet Frake spent several years in therapy following her attack. Yeah. And stated that she slept underneath her dining room table with a knife for several months Whoa. after it happened. Um, she first learned of her rapist's identity when she saw Danny Rowling pleading guilty to murder on TV in 1994. She said, I knew it immediately just by listening to his voice and watching his body language. That's the guy that raped me. Wow. Yeah. At the urging of her therapist, she wrote a letter to Rowling and burned it. Later, she made a video where she basically told Rowling what a piece of shit he was and sent it to him in prison. Nice. Good job. He received it, but refused to watch it. Uh, When she eventually shared her story on the Lisa Gibbons show, which very dated, um, she was surprised by two audience members, Anne Guerin and Ada Larson, mothers of two of Rowling's victims. And she would say, they came all the way to California to be by my side. They didn't have to do that. For years after that, I was sending them Mother's Day cards because they were so good to me. I know. (laughs) Like That's too sad. And I love it. Um, oh wow! Mm-hmm. Well, and, and feels in this story. And here's the thing about that: most of like, them aren't good. He mm-hmm. could have just as easily killed her, just like he did the others. I mean, it's just. I wonder if he knew when he asked her to do that. When he asked her for that ten minute head start, if he knew mm-hmm. that was it. Well, I guess it wouldn't have been. So he had four more years of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not it. She was. She could have potentially been. Well, she would have been the fourth because he at this point he had already murdered the Grissom family. Right. Um, but, yeah. So can I just say how fucking badass she is? Yeah. Especially in that awful moment? Yeah. Uh, she sure did can. eventually speak on how proud she was of the response she received after sharing her storny, story, storny, what? Uh, <laughs> from fellow rape victims and said that I couldn't do much for them other than listen, but they needed to talk. When something like that happens, you do need to talk. Um, I have a bit more on Janet Frake, but that's later. Now, unfortunately, it's back to where it gets worse. Ah. 
So after raping Janet Frake, Rowling was excited to land in the college town of Gainesville, Florida. Oh, I bet he was. He hit up a Walmart where he bought an air mattress and set up his tent in a wooded area behind the University of Florida. That is creepy as fuck. Yeah, and here's where it gets real bad. So, on August 24th, while shopping at the Walmart, Rowling spotted incoming college freshmen, 17-year-old Christina Powell and 18-year-old Sonia Larson a few aisles over. Fucking Walmart. Um, The girls were at the store buying stuff for their new and probably first apartment. Before he made his way to the register, he pocketed a screwdriver, and when he checked out with his air mattress, he also paid for two pairs of gloves and some duct tape. So keeping his eyes on Christina and Sonia, he followed them home to the Williamsburg Village Apartments. He waited until 3 a.m. before entering their apartment, uh, where Christine was asleep on the couch. Don't y'all lock your shit? Damn it! It was the early 90s. At this point, people were not really doing that still. God bless it. Um... So he left Christina where she was and headed upstairs to Sonia's room where she was sleeping. He tied her up and repeatedly stabbed her in the arms and chest and also sliced her left thigh. And once she was dead, he engaged in the never great act of necrophilia and then went downstairs where he forced Christina to lie face down on the floor as he raped her. He then stabbed her five times. Doing all of it. All of it. Throwing some necrophilia in there. Just... Yeah, being you know the the cool guy rapist that just hangs out and tells you his life story after raping you, like, well, unfortunately, just the once. Good God, uh, he stabbed her five times in the back while telling her to take the pain, bitch, take the pain. Wow. Uh, once both girls were dead, he sorry, I gotta turn the page here. Um, he posed them in sexually explicit positions, took a shower, and left. He also allegedly cut off their nipples and kept one as a trophy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the next day, Rolling Pride opened the sliding glass door of 18-year-old Krista Hoyt's apartment. Uh, the Santa Fe Community College student wasn't at home at the time, so Rolling searched her place for valuables while he waited for her to return. When she got back, Rolling attacked her from behind in the living room. He tied her up raped her, and then stabbed her so violently in the back that it ruptured her heart. <gasps> Good God. Wow. Um, after stabbing her to death, Rowling proceeded to, and this is real bad, y'all, cut off her nipples, rip open her torso, and decapitate her. Jesus. I feel like you could do the third thing without the first two. Wow, he just... Don't know why I'm making that a priority. I mean, right? You don't need to do all of them. Any of them, really. You don't really need to do any of them. Um, Some reports say that both of her breasts were also removed and her nipples were left near her body. Yeah. It gets worse, but I'll come back to that in a second. I believe you. I'm just confused. Yeah. 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 Um... Christina Powell's parents decided to go to her apartment after not hearing from their daughter for a few days. Uh, When they got there, there was no answer from inside, so they called the police, who broke down the door when they got there. Once inside, the bodies of both girls were discovered. Uh, Special Agent Don Maines later said that the posing was definitely deliberate. It was done for its shock value for whoever was to enter that room. This is what you would see. Both Christina and Sonia had been posed similarly, with Sonia being pulled to the edge of the bed, her legs draped over it, and her arms over her head. 
Nine hours later, Krista Hoyt's body would be found. Oh, no. So Krista worked as a dispatcher at the county sheriff's office. And when she didn't show up for work that day, her co-workers became concerned and deputies were dispatched to her apartment. Oh, man. Yeah. There was no answer when they knocked on the door, so one of the officers went around back to where her room was and shined the flashlight through the window. What that poor man saw must haunt him to this very day. Uh, Krista Hoyt was sitting upright on the end of her bed, feet flat on the floor, hands on her thighs, facing a bookshelf. And staring back at her body from that very shelf was her head. <gasps> oh. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right, well. Boy, he's just... He's going from, like, zero to 60. Uh-huh. He's like, yeah, I'm just gonna, you know... Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna kill this lady in a car accident accidentally, and then I'm gonna turn around, I'm gonna rape her, and then I'm gonna start cutting people's fucking heads off. Yeah, Like, the progression is unreal with this guy. Krista Hoyt was the, I mean, all of the murder victims were... They're all horrible. It was all, everything that happened to them was terrible. Hers was especially heinous because she looked the most like his ex-wife. Is that what this was all about? Are they all brunettes? They are all brunettes. Weird. Um. So, let's see, where did I go... Oh, yeah. By now, the police knew that they were dealing with a serial killer, and the race to catch him before he killed again was on. Um, Detective Maine said, We already knew we were dealing with a monster, but this was a very sick and demented individual that would not only perpetrate this kind of crime, but then set up this kind of crime scene for its shock value. Hmm. Unfortunately, two more people would die before the Gainesville Ripper was caught. So on August 27th, two days after Krista Hoyt was murdered, media attention surrounding the three brutal slayings had blown up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Students had started taking extra safety measures like triple locking their doors, traveling in large groups, sleeping in shifts, uh, or keeping weapons within reach in their apartments at all times. Uh, Some students apparently carried baseball bats with them wherever they went. Um, No one went anywhere on their own and... While the University of Florida canceled classes for a week, a large number of students unenrolled from classes, and a bunch of other students transferred schools completely. They were just like, nope. No, thank you, please. And that's in Gainesville? Yeah. Where did Bundy do his Florida spree? This was after people were like, oh, fuck. Right? Um, I don't think it was that close, but it's still, people were like, oh, shit. This is very similar, and this is very scary. Right. Um, That day, August 27th, Rowling broke into the apartment of Manuel Manny Taboda and Tracy Pauls, both 23. Um, He pried open their sliding glass door with a K-bar knife and a screwdriver. K-bar knife is like a navy. Mm -hmm. Oh, and Bundy was Tallahassee, was Florida State. Okay. Um, He pried the door open just as he had at Crystal Hoyt's place. Once inside, Rowling encountered the sleeping Manny Taboda, who had been acting uh, as his friend Tracy's bodyguard after news of the murders broke out. Oh, bless it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Taboda, a 200-pound formal football player, was attacked by Rowling as he slept. Obviously, he woke up, and despite fighting back hard, he was eventually stabbed to death. Damn it. Uh, Tracy had heard the commotion in the living room. And popped in to see what was going on, but once she realized what was happening, she ran to her room and locked herself inside. 
Rowling broke down the door, tied her up, raped her, and then stabbed her to death. Uh, He posed her body, but not Manny's, before he left the scene. Um, During the trial, it was revealed that Tracy had asked, you're the one, aren't you? Mm. And Rowling answered, yeah, I'm the one, before he killed her. Rowling himself would later state that Tracy's last words were, you're going to get caught. (gasps) And she was right. Wow. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the bodies uh, of Manny Taboda and Tracy Pauls were the only ones that weren't mutilated, and experts believed that Rowling may have been interrupted before he was able to do so. So after not hearing from Manny for a while, Chris Pascarella, who wasn't living in the area at the time, contacted the manager of the Gatorwoods apartment complex to set up a meeting between mutual friend uh, Tommy Carroll and a maintenance man in order to check on them. So when Tommy got there, he knocked on the door and received no response. So when the maintenance man, Christopher Smith, arrived, uh, he used his master key to unlock the front door. And what they found. As soon as the door was open, both men were greeted by the sight of Tracy's naked and bloody body lying on the floor in the hallway between the two bedrooms. A black or dark colored bag sat on the floor near her head. Mr. Smith closed and locked the door and called the police. He wasn't about to go in there and touch anything and mess anything up. He's like, I don't want any part of this. Right. Calling the police immediately. And by the time they arrived... Uh, which is estimated to be maybe five minutes. The door was unlocked and the bag had disappeared. Why does this sound so familiar? And maybe you've listened to it on another podcast. Huh. But yeah, so that was fucking unsettling. Um, Either that or I'm having a serious deja vu either way. Also possible. Okay. It was obvious that their killer had a type, seeing as all of his victims had been petite, brown-eyed brunettes, uh, with the exception of Manny Taboda, who was most likely killed for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Aside from that, they had very few leads and next to no evidence to go on, which was quite intentional on Rowling's part. If you remember, his dad was a cop. Right. So Rowling was very aware of how to clean up a crime scene. How the fuck did he get back in there? Oh, through the sledder. Um, probably unlocked the front door and went out through the front. Which means he was in there when they opened it? Probably. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's why they think that there was, that's why they're like, well, that's probably why he didn't mutilate this girl's body, because he was interrupted. Got it. Yeah. Um, so he cleaned the bodies with solvent to get rid of his DNA and tossed all the duct tape he used to bind his victims in dumpsters to hide any of his fingerprints. Uh, Despite the limited evidence that they had, law enforcement eventually had two suspects, neither of which were Danny Rowling. Oh, Jesus. Uh, One suspect was unnamed and eventually let go. The other was an 18-year-old University of Florida student named Edward Humphreys. He had previously lived in the Gatorwood apartment complex where Manny and Tracy had lived. Uh, which was the only thing connecting them, connecting him to the murders, really. Uh, he also had a history of mental illness and had stopped taking his medications around the time of the murders. Uh, there were stories going around about his violent tendencies, like throwing chairs, getting into fights, loud arguments, and once pulling a penknife when he was denied entry to a party. Uh, he was considered weird and off-putting, and he sort of looked like what the public may have expected a murderer to look like. Uh, he had been in a pretty severe car accident and had some terrible facial scarring. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it kind of looks like a 1930s gangster, maybe. Right. Just 
scarred face. Um, police surveillance on Edward Humphreys began almost immediately after the murders of Manny Tabota and Tracy Pauls. And October 30th, he assaulted his grandmother and was arrested. Oh, fuck. Yeah. He was held on a million dollars bail. But what the police didn't know was that the real Gainesville Ripper was already in jail elsewhere. <gasps> oh, he was. Mm-hmm. So Rowling had been arrested for burglary in Ocala, Florida, which is about 45 minute car ride away uh, on September 7th, 1990, only 10 days after he murdered Manny and Tracy. Oh, so remember that poor impulse control? Right. There we go. Uh, Police may have caught him sooner if they'd actually looked through the box of evidence they'd collected from his campsite behind the University of Florida campus. Now, I can't. There was a story about Rolling and a friend that they'd been spotted by the cops after a robbery. Mm -hmm. And that's why they went and took all of his stuff because they found the money with the dye pack. Ah. And that's why they had collected all of his stuff. Not because it wasn't related to the murders at all. Hmm. Um, yeah. What a fluke though. Fluke. So the other guy was arrested and Danny Rowling took the fuck off. Got it. And they didn't catch him. Um, so in this evidence box, or at least in the tent that they would look through later. Um, there were trophies from his victims, along with everything he'd used to break into his victim's apartment in his tent that they didn't look through at the time. Uh, there was also a tape recorder that went untouched for quite a while. And if they'd listened to those tapes, they'd discover Rolling singing hymns, which is creepy enough on its own. Yep. Uh, he fancied himself kind of a singer-songwriter. Oh, Very okay. much Charles Manson. Okay. I was just going to say, okay, Charlie. Yeah. Uh, along with Rowling alluding to the murders and talking about how to gut a deer. Uh, the tape ended with him saying, well, I got to sign off for a little bit. I got something I got to do. Oh, boy. Yep. Gross. Right. Uh, the task force assigned to the Gainesville Ripper case started combing cold cases from other areas to see if anything matched their killer's M.O. And eventually they got a hit. The triple murder of the Grissoms. Julie had been stabbed and posed just like the Ripper's female victims had. A DNA sample of saliva had been taken from the bite marks on Julie's breasts, revealing that their suspect was a secretor, uh, which is someone who secretes blood type antigens through their bodily fluids like saliva. Huh. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that there was such a thing as secretors. There is. There's secretors and non-secretors. So oh. like if you spit in a tube, you can tell what blood type you have or huh. you can't is basically what that is. Yeah. Uh, so their suspect was a secretor and his blood type was B. Unfortunately for them, Edward Humphrey's blood type was not a match. Yeah. Uh, yeah, their number one suspect. They're like, well, shit. Right. Um, Rowling confessed to the Gainesville murders to a cellmate who hated Rowling and said cellmate passed that information on to the police. Not long after this admission, police in Gainesville reached out to police in Shreveport for any DNA that matched what they were looking for. Uh, the task force had also received a tip over the phone from a woman in Shreveport who'd had a strange man live with her around the time of the Grissom murders. So he didn't get caught by, like, a fancy police work-style manhunt. Oh, no. He was already sitting in jail and burglary. Uh-huh. Yep. Wow. Um, and this woman that called to, because, you know, 
they had the hotline for tips mm-hmm. for the Gainesville Ripper case. And she just called and she's like, yes, I lived with this guy. Uh, he told me he was a bad person and said, I like to stick people. Oh, God. That man was Danny Rowling. So now that they've got this information, they've got the Grissom Right, seems, right, right, right. They're like, this might be our guy. So Detective Maines, or Special Agent Maines, but Detective was just mm-hmm. easier to write. And Detective LeGrand Hewitt from the Alachua County Sheriff's Office, I hope that's right, decided to go to Ocala and question Rowling. Maines had a specific strategy in mind and said, I told him we were investigating various different crimes in other areas in other jurisdictions, and I specifically talked about areas that I knew he hadn't been in. Therefore, he would have nothing to hide. Detective Hewitt told Rowling that they wanted to eliminate him from their suspects and asked for a blood sample, which Rowling gave without any issues. Wow, that was dumb. Uh-huh. Yeah, the sample came but back. smart on the cops' yeah, end. The, the sample came back a 99.999% match for the Gainesville Ripper. Uh, with their suspicions finally confirmed, Maine said, he's our guy. We got him. This is the monster we've been looking for. And he's just sitting in this jail over here already. Uh-huh. So, yeah, yes. Obviously, Edward Humphreys was released from jail, though he never received any kind of apology for, you know, being held on the suspicion of being a serial killer, even though he was completely innocent. Wow. They were just like, well, shit. Bye. <laughs> uh, he'd moved to Orlando and would eventually graduate from the University of Central Florida, which okay. good for him. Good for him. Uh, While he was charged with the Gainesville murders in November of 1991, he wouldn't go to trial until 1994. Rowling met with a psychiatrist and was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and paraphilia, which is the experience of intense sexual arousal to atypical objects, situations, fantasies, behaviors, or individuals, a.k.a. You get really turned on by murder. Yeah. So, yikes. Uh, Rowling pled guilty to all charges and in April 1994 was sentenced to death. During the trial, Rowling would say to Judge Stan Morris, Your Honor, I've been running from... Um, I've been running from first one problem and then another all my life, but there are some things you just can't run from and this is one of those. Oh, okay. Uh, Before his sentencing, however... Rowling had started to receive letters from a freelance journalist named Sandra London. Initially, she wanted to write a book about him, but shortly after their first in-person meeting in 1993, they ended up getting engaged. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. So, Rowling and London worked on writing the book together, and The Making of a Serial Killer, The Real Story of the Gainesville Murders, was published in 1996 and included illustrations by Rowling, which I can't even imagine what those would look like. Right. Um, so remember Badass Janet Frake? Mm-hmm. Well, she happened to see the book at her local Barnes & Noble in 1997. Uh-oh. Curious and horrified, she picked it up and found the blurb that had been written about her attack. <gasps> Rowling said, it was really weird, almost as though she was entertaining a welcome guest instead of a rapist. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. He didn't 
name her because I don't think he knew her name. Of course he didn't. Um, Frake said that reading it made her nauseous and caused her to fall to her knees. Uh, she would eventually sue Rowling over the novel for a million dollars in civil court, but because the statute of limitations had run out, the case was tossed. Mm. Um, at the Florida State Prison... Yeah, Pris- that's how she stayed alive, you fucking fuck. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, at the Florida State Prison on October 25th, 2006, Rowling enjoyed his last meal, which consisted of butterfly shrimp, lobster tail, a loaded baked potato, strawberry cheesecake, and some sweet tea. He didn't make any final statements, but did sing, He who flung the stars into heaven created the oceans, mountains, eagles, and doves, none greater than thee, O Lord, none greater than thee, as he received his lethal injection. At 6.31 p.m., Daniel Rowling was dead. Now, how did we get Scream out of these horrific crimes? Well, Kevin Williamson happened to watch the news one evening while he was house-sitting near UCLA at the time of the murders. He was all alone near a college campus, and the story just kind of freaked him out. Mm -hmm. So he did what all writers do with big emotions. He wrote him out, and the idea eventually became the screenplay for Scream. Five trees were planted on the University of Florida campus to honor the memories of the victims, and a mural with their names still stands, so we never forget them. And that is the story of the Gainesville Ripper, a.k.a. the inspiration for Scream. That was a good one, too. Thank you. That's a good one, too. Uh, my sources. I've got Ranker from Aaron Wisty, Grunge.com, Deborah Kelly, Nine.com.au, Jessica Chandra, Wikipedia, Murderpedia, Jacksonville.com, SunSentinel.com. Uh, it was a transcript uh-huh, of the uh-huh. original article in the Orlando Sentinel by Jim Lusner in 1994. Uh, HaroldTribune.com, Billy Cox, Orlando Sentinel, Jim Lusner, All That's Interesting, William DeLong, DannyRowling.blogspot.com, Drew Harwell, and CriminalMinds.fandom.com. That's a lot of sources today. It was a lot of sources because some of the websites had like a single quote that I used. So I'm like, nope, I used it. Got it. Yeah. So that was that fucking guy. That fucking guy. That fucking yeah, that guy. fucking guy was real big on the uh, Murderpedia circuit, too. He used to write back to a lot of people, and I mm-hmm. think he might have had some sketches or some artwork out there. Probably. Yeah. Oh, like the Murderabilia? That's what I meant. Did I say Murderpedia? You did, but yeah, it's okay. You know I what just, I meant. I did, and I also had just said Murderpedia. Yes. Yeah. Murderbilia. Yeah, but that fucking guy. Yeah. Well, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Good on her, though. It, right? That, that does piss me off the way he put it. Wow. Put it in his book like that. Mm-hmm. That's just, it was gross. Yeah. And it bothers me. It is gross. It really it bothers should. me. Yeah. Like, what the fuck was she supposed to do? Right? She's alive. Mm-hmm. You're not, so. Yeah. Eat a dick. Yeah. There's also, I can't, I have to look into it, but there was some legislation after another serial killer had wrote, written a book. Uh, I can't remember which one, but they're like, you can't make money off of this. Right? Yeah. So it is, I think it's the Cleary Act. I'm not sure. I forgot to write it down, but I'll just backhoe it next time. <laughs> but yeah, because I know there was someone, I, it was actually Dennis Nilsson. Who wrote Ah. that book while he was in prison. And even though it was in England, they were like, 
yeah, you can't. That's not cool, you, dude. You can't profit from this. It's he wasn't cool. allowed to release it at all. But here, um, I, f- I think it's different in that you can, but you are not allowed to get any money from it. What's it called? Uh, I think it's the Cleary Act, C-L-E-R-Y. I think that might be something different. I just know that that case had something to do with the Cleary uh... Act. The Cleary Act is a consumer protection law that aims to provide transparency around campus crime policy and statistics. I knew that he was responsible in part for that becoming, but I couldn't remember. I think I just combined the two things. Mm. Still, that's fucked up. Yeah. That's fucked up. Mm Mm-hmm. He shouldn't. Well, yeah. Wow. Got married, huh? Got engaged. I don't think they ever got married. Um. I didn't look too deeply into their relationship past that, but I do know that she's written other books. Hmm. Yeah. Meh. I think about serial killers. Yeah. Like, ooh, that's not... No. Wow. Like, you started writing to him knowing that he had been arrested for murdering five people. Well, that's like, you know, our idea, but... Neither one of us are going to end up engaged to a serial killer. Absolutely not. So. But she was like, I know he's... And then, because like I said, she had started writing to him before his sentencing, even though she was, you know, pretty obvious that he did it, because he's like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, girl, like, I get it. There's journalism, and then there's just... Yeah, no, I did this. I did... That should be the biggest red flag of all. I cut people's heads off. Yeah. That's, that's, that should be problematic in a dating yeah. situation. Yeah. I mean, that, that, you know, that, that should be like, hey, yeah, you know, it's like, I think I get butterflies hanging around you. And then I just remember, oh, yeah. It's because you, you cut people's heads you off. murdered somebody. Yeah. No, ate, let's not get our, ate somebody's. Right. Let's not get our feelings all violently. Yeah. And I'm fairly certain had he not already been in jail he would have murdered more people oh he wouldn't have stopped no he wouldn't have stopped Mm-mm. dudes like that he has impulse control problems number one yes he's not just gonna stop because he's done or or stop because he's like i know what i'm doing is wrong and i i'm i can't control myself no yeah, no. No, no and that no. was there was a lot of stuff that i left out during the trial mm-hmm. uh there was one instance where he brought up um another identity that he used well that he believed i didn't look into it too much i'm like this is too much like, oh, like another personality like he's trying to be like oh i didn't do it this guy did it like it was my other right, my other personality right, right. gemini and i was like this is a rabbit hole that i this is already six pages long I well, can't. And look, it no. Yeah, they tried to play it. They're like he was the he was addicted to drugs, and he was the product of an abusive home. And the other side was like, so are a lot of people, and they've never murdered eight people, right? Like you can't, you can't blend. You can't use that as a crutch for everything. No, That's, you can't. And you he can't. I'm like, sure, he did have. Issues with mental illness and addiction. Mm-hmm. Sure. However, so did their other prime suspect that 
18-year-old Edward Humphreys, he didn't kill anybody. No. I've got mental health issues. I've never murdered anybody. Well, we're all hopped up on the PCP, so we're not killing people. No. P- PCP sounds like it would be way too exhausting. I wouldn't even know how to take it. I don't either. <laughs> they, it just it sounds- said they smoked it. I was like, on what? Oh, did they put it on their weeds? You could. You, I, think I think you can. I think that's angel dust. That's, same thing. Yeah, angel PCP dust and angel PCP dust is the same thing. thing. Yeah, you you could. I think also maybe How like does a, one PCP, like in a like a like a, <laughs> like pipe? a crack pipe. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, there are options apparently. I don't but know. I wouldn't know. I'm just guessing, but it sounds exhausting. It sounds horrible. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want that kind of energy. I don't. I guess it's called smoking wet. Ew. Yeah. That sounds disgusting. Sure does. Just according to the study. Hi. We're looking at PCP studies now. You know, I was sitting there yesterday on my computer, and I'm just looking up this and looking up that. I've been working on our Patreon, and I'm just like, you know what? I, my search history. Oh, hard same. Is frightening. Yeah. Pretty sure I've got my own FBI agent assigned to me. Oh, yeah. Same. They're just like, I think they definitely have to watch me. Yeah, well, I'm. It, I feel like it would be one of those things where they're looking. They're like, okay, what kind? What right? chemical turns a body red? That is in my search history. Jeffrey Dahmer, <laughs> Ted Bundy. They're like, oh no, these bitches are just true crime podcasters. Right, it's right. Fine. There's no worries. It's Hydrochloric like, acid. <laughs> right. Like, what is a K-bar knife? Like, yeah. They're like, yeah. Oh, question. Well, they're like, oh, no. Yeah. They're just podcasters. We don't have to worry. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. if they dig a little deeper, they'll figure it out. But I'm just like, yeah. fuck, dude. Yes. Three or five names. Ace. Uh-huh. Bode. Oh. Spelled B-O-H-D. Okay. Chips. What? Frios. Okay. And Zoom. Are we talking about PCP? PCP and weed. Oh, okay. Ah. Well, they smoked yeah. 17 bags of it, so I don't fucking that know. That is too many PCPs. Good for them. Too <laughs> many PCPs. No. Yes. Randall's far, all about it. It's oh, yeah. far too many PCPs. It's all the PCPs. It's just so many. It's too much PCP. A slang term for marijuana use is blow one's roof. What? Where are you looking? I found a site. Like a site from Casa when? Palmera. Jesus Christ. That's... Fly Mexican Airlines. That's one of them. Oh. When okay. you when you do your PCP you, and your weeds? Well, so you smoke pot. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know huh. that. That's hilarious. It is. I do like random names for weed, though. Yeah? Like the Devil's Lettuce, I think, oh, is yeah, one of my okay. favorites. Yeah. Get a gauge up. <laughs> what? What? This is specifically for smoking. Okay. The so act of dumb. smoking weed. Get a gauge up. That's... Obviously, I've never heard of that before. Wow. Um, actually, most of these I I'm going to die laughing if someone like writes in and schools us about PCP. Dude, <laughs> do it. it. I'm like, how do we PCP? Not that we will. Oh, this is a... Uh, <laughs> it's a rehab clinic. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, that's, that's great. Amazing. Also, did that's either great. of you notice my bag? No, I didn't notice I your bag. Hello, sure. <laughs> it's like, what is it? I see blood spatter. Hello, Sydney. 
Oh, nice. It's coming out soon. I've had this purse forever, but today felt appropriate to reuse it. In honor of Scream, yes. But yeah, 24 years. No. I know. I remember seeing it opening night in the theater, and I will be chasing that high for the rest of my life, because that ending, though. January 14th, 2022. Scream 5? Yep. Yes, I was planning on having a marathon of the original movies. I will host it for you. Sweet. I am more than happy to do that. When I saw that um, in your Instagram story, all of the different tattoo ideas you were thinking about, and you had the Scream one, I was like, yay! So that one was more, it was just like art that I found that's cool, partially to fit, like like the Wally one I'm getting for sure. Yeah, I love that one. Uh, But yeah, that Scream 4 poster is fucking dope it's a great poster but i hated that movie yeah it's because uh emma roberts shouldn't act ever oh there it is she's not not good no and that's why coven's bad she was the worst part of it yeah but she was hilarious in scream queens but because she was pretty much playing herself but that's i think that's yeah she's playing herself in coven too yeah, and I hate Probably. Her. She just plays herself in everyone. She well, everything. She's a completely different character in Freak Show. She's not. I'm glad at she wasn't all like in that. it in that. But she's not ever really acting. She's just saying words as herself, yeah, I, I feel. Don't like it. She's not she's not my fave. Um yeah, she, was, sure. she was Esmeralda. She was the fake the fake psychic. The fake psychic, yeah. yeah. She was good in Black Coat's Daughter, which was it's actually it's a really good movie, but she's not in it a lot. Um, but yeah, Scream Queens was also very funny because Billy Lord is mm. fucking amazing, and I love her. I didn't watch Scream Queens. It, there's only two seasons. It's very ridiculous and, and I only, campy, but it's it's actually pretty good. I only ever saw the first Scream. I don't think I saw any of the others. There's going to be five now. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and there are I, two two shows based on it, or like two. two? Well, there was the MTV one. There was yeah Scream, and then I think there was like a sort of like offshoot but I can't remember what it was called I saw... or just two seasons of that show but I feel like there were two shows I saw a movie the other night that was actually pretty good Ready or Not oh yeah, yeah. that was fun that was That's great a very fun yeah. movie right? I watched yeah. that with Goose oh yeah yeah you were where was I I don't know you were out of town some damn where huh yeah yeah I, Goose and I rented that yeah I think we red boxed it or something not two series there's it's just just, gone just, on for a while. It it's been going been... since 2015. Really? Yeah. Is it still on? Yeah. Huh. I watched the first episode and was like, all right. I didn't have any interest. It didn't look They changed great. The, the, the mask and yeah. I was like, you I know didn't, what? I don't like it. But yeah, I am excited to see five. I think the fourth movie also, they like changed writers halfway through the movie and you could tell. We were just like. Oh, also, five will be the first non-Wes Craven one. It will. Oh, that's sad. I had to like I had to turn off my phone and sit silently and be very sad when he died. Yeah. He actually. It was weird. I had seen. Oh, now I can't remember the name of the movie. It was one of his earlier movies that I'd never seen, and I just finished watching it. And so I tweeted something about this movie is an underrated gem and tagged him in it and he liked my tweet and then Aww. and then like a week or two later he died it was very sad mm. i was like i have to go be very sad right now um i think there was actually two series 
Yeah, see? I think there was one on MTV and then one on VH1. That's ridiculous. Do we need both of the music TV channels to have Scream reboots? We don't. We don't need either of them to have either of those. But, I mean, I haven't seen either of them. Yeah. But I just didn't want to. But, like I said, I saw Scream 1. I think yeah. that's about all I know about all that. The sequels are, except for four, are decent. They're great. And I need to rewatch them because I haven't seen them in such a long time. Um, Scream 2, I remember being really good. Yeah, Scream 2 is excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Jada Pinkett Smith is in it. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar is in it. Maybe I did. I don't know. Yeah. Apparently it was 24 fucking years ago, so Ugh. maybe I did. Yeah. I can barely remember two weeks ago. Everything feels like the same time right now. Oh, no, it's not going anymore. No, I didn't think so. I thought it only had a few seasons, but either way, I did not want to watch it because okay. it did not look like it was made for me. They're like, it's loosely based off of this movie you love, and we're remaking it for people a lot younger than you. I'm like, that seems fair. Mm. That seems fair. Also, my friend Alexis just sent me a text. Uh, <laughs> it is a photo of Steve-O and Bam Margera, and it says, Hi, welcome to Jackass. I'm Steve-O, and this is Bam. And today we're going to eat spicy food and see who gets heartburn first. <laughs> and I just oh, said, Because we're old now. Oh, yeah. That, exactly. I just said, hateful. And she's like, they're officially old men. And I said, by proxy, we are old. God, how old is Steve-O now? I feel like... I think they're younger than me. I think they're, like, your same age. Yeah. Or close, maybe. I had a picture How of. How old do you think he is? Steve O. Steve O. Oh, I don't know. I'm gonna say he's like 47, 48. Yeah. I think he's like late 30s. Oh, he's absolutely. <laughs> not. I'll give him 40. He's 46. Oh, okay. I was close. Yeah, I had a picture of Bam Margera in my locker in high school. I had a crush on Bam too. Not Steve O. He barks no. too much. Fucking gross. Yeah. How old do you think Bam Margera is? Same. 40. 45. 41. 41. Oh, he was younger. Yeah. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell. All yeah. that fast living did not do Bam Margera any favors. Sure as fuck didn't. But yeah. Is Phil okay? <laughs> do, do we know anything about Phil? The <laughs> uncle? His dad. Oh, his dad. I well, I know his uncle died. That was a while ago. Yeah. Phil, is, is Phil Margera all right? Phil in April. Fun. April yeah. Margera seemed like the sweetest woman in the history of all time. Yeah, which one? Still alive. Oh, okay. good. Yeah, yeah, I just know that his uncle He's died 63. a while oh, ago. Good. Let's put Phil in a bubble. I like Phil. They're cute. Anyway, we are going down a rabbit hole. So you know, it happens. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna have to watch all the screen movies again. I'm gonna watch the fourth one again, even though I know I hate it. But I'm gonna do it. Just be like, maybe you don't hate it as much, which I know myself. I'm gonna and try then you're gonna the be like, yeah, I know I hate it. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give the series a shot. Okay. Let me know. I've got shit to throw on and not pay attention to while I bake. Oh, there you go. There you go. For Randall's best goodest cream holes. Randall's best goodest cream holes. Got it. If you're interested in a gourmet cream cream hole of your own. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Gourmet. They're so good. You can email them. They'll forward you to me. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Six for six or ten for twelve. They're delicious. Yeah. Yeah. He also. He's already gotten some some orders. He did. Made some fucking whipped cream for us (gasps) to try earlier, which Jesus fucking. Fuck. For yeah. the cream puffs, you have the options of double chocolate, mm-hmm. which you guys have tried the cream uh, It was delightful. Uh, pumpkin spice. It was delightful, too. And yes. vanilla maple. And that Wait, was great, too. One. That was the, that the, that was the OG. Yeah. That was the OG so, best as good as cream hole. You can also just do normal vanilla. 
or just made rum, vanilla rum. Oh. Or any other flavors that you want to throw at me. I'll see if I can try to figure it out. Yeah. I'll be your taste tester. I'm oh, a, yeah. I'm a good cream whore. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no. Really think about your words. Phrases. Really think about them. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. Well, there's that. So we're going to end on that. Texas and hose, y'all. Bye. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Oh, shit. That just came out, and then I heard it as I was saying it, and I was like, oh, no. You can't. You can't I put can't, him back in there. I can't unsay it now. Wow. I'm aware. <laughs> we all heard it, and all your listeners heard it. Yeah, <laughs> no, well. that's, in the that's on the internet. Oh, I'm an open fucking book, so oh, there we go. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> You're like disturbed by this whole event. Well, I mean, we're gonna. We're gonna that was the thing that was said. That's a good way to end. That's a solid way to close it. And Danielle's a cream whore or cream hole. Whoa! That's initially that's initially what I heard. Cream whore for a cream hole. She's a cream whore for a cream hole. Your whipped your whipped creams are very tasty. Yeah, was where I was going with that. They were. They were very. Oh no. (laughs) Well, anywho, so, uh, you know, rate, review, (laughs) subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, bless it. Uh, Share, Uh, share that. Share. Everyone wants to know. <laughs> oh, fuck. And off. so, till next time, y'all. X is in hose, y'all. <laughs> X is in hose, y'all. Jesus. <laughs> Say goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> fuck you, Bob. Gwyneth, you're a cream whore. Fuck you, Gwyneth. Don't steal my title, <laughs> you fucking stealing bitch. God damn it. Oh. That's my title, you thieving whore. <laughs> Flaxen haired cream hole. I have to take gold. Uh, bye. Me. <laughs> <laughs>